What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We All Deserve to Eat. My name is Neil, and I welcome you to this space where we will share ideas, explore different perspectives, and grow together. Whatever your reason for being here, however you found us, I thank you for being here on this journey with me. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to another episode of We All Deserve to Eat. Thank you again so much for being here. Uh, I know it's been a uh, it's been a bit of a, a an aggressive come down from the holidays. Um, it always seems to go that way where uh, you are go 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 the entire time, and then all of a sudden, um, just like that, it's over as quickly as it comes. Uh, the holidays are done, and we look forward to uh, 2022 and all the adventures that it will bring. Um, today. We're going to talk a little bit, um, a little bit more of on a fun note. Um, We're going to talk about school. Uh, We're going to talk about school in a different light today. Um, I don't think it's any secret that our education system, the school system, the structure needs work. And I think that as as much as different ministries and different districts and different boards and regions and counties and provinces and states try to, you know, adapt and evolve with the ever-changing landscape of our world, um, there are just so many issues with our education system and the way that information is put across. And it's gotten to a point now where the idea of learning has sort of gone out the window. Um, I try to really sort of debunk the idea and really not push that at 17 to 18 years old that you have to know what you want to do with the rest of your life. Um, but the idea of learning has sort of gone out the window. Uh, really what it's come down to, unfortunately, due to the structure of the system, is the mark, the grade, uh, and, and where they can attain the highest possible grade to get into the program they want or the apprenticeship they want or whatever pathway they choose. Um, it, it sort of it takes away from everything that we are as educators trying to push the importance of learning and taking in information and digesting it and reasoning with it and developing perspective, it's it becomes quite tough when the only focus uh, becomes the grade. And I just mentioned before that, you know, the idea that the way that school is structured, um, that we have to know or we expect students to have some kind of idea at 17 to 18 what they want to do with the rest of their life. I think if you've gone through a career change like I have, I think it's quite uh, pertinent then, and it's pretty obvious that um, you don't need to know by the time that you are 18 before, in Canada anyway, um, with the exception of a few provinces, before you're considered, um, you know, legal to drink and legal to go into a casino, um, that you are expected to know what you want to do with the rest of your life. And so I think um, deconstructing that social construct and that that ideology is so important. And it's it's shaped by conditioning, of course. Um, there are students that think they have an idea of what they want to do. And at the end of the day, they're they're really not sure. They end up changing their mind once they graduate with their undergrad. They end up exploring a postgrad in a in an entire new field. And I think that that's phenomenal. 
I myself went through um, quite a, a drastic career change where, if you don't know my background, I started in public relations and marketing, uh, switched over to social media marketing after doing some agency work, left that field entirely, and then went over to retail, started working in sport, in amateur sport, um, more specifically volleyball and coaching and running my own camps and clinics and developed my own business through that, um, really developed and, and sort of explored my entrepreneurial side with that. And uh, from there, I realized that I really enjoyed working with young people. And so I applied over to Teachers College, happened to get accepted, and here we are six years later, teaching high school business and social studies. Um, right now, more specifically, junior, uh, for my friends in the States, junior and senior level business. For my friends in Canada, grade 11 and 12 high school business is my timetable this year. Um, but then, you know, it started to get me thinking, if we can't change the educational structure overnight, and really that's not the goal, then how can we start implementing change? And there are, are so many initiatives that our board in particular puts out in regards to, you know, anti-black racism in education, anti-Asian racism in, in education, First Nations, Indigenous historical courses, um, resources and education and, and information to just lower our ignorance level. Um, you know, but I think it comes, it's more than that. It's more than the material being pushed to us. It's really about changing the environment. And again, I know it's not going to happen overnight. I don't expect it to happen overnight. But I wanted to run through a little bit of an exercise and I have a story attached to this. Um, but I want you to just close your eyes for a minute, not even a minute, 10 seconds. And once you've done that, I want you to imagine what your dream school would look like. And it can be subject-focused, subject-specific, department-specific, grade-level-specific. You can take into account any variables you want. The climate that you happen to teach in, the district you happen to teach in, the resources you have available to you. But what would your dream school look like? And as you think about that and sort of formulate ideas, I would love to know in, uh, in some feedback uh, through any social media channels, if you happen to take a listen, I would love to know what your dream school would look like, what, what different components, whatever perspective, however you attack that question is fair game. And I look forward to hearing some of these responses. But as you imagine this and as you sort of go to that idealistic utopian world of teaching if you had every resource available to you um, again in whatever perspective you bring as you think about your dream school I wanted to tell you a little bit about mine and I think it's going to be sort of a two-part episode with this but this comes from a story with one of uh, my former players that I used to coach who accepted a scholarship down south to the states or accepted a spot, I should say, um, to a volleyball squad, Division One, in the States. And she was being highly touted and recruited by a number of schools. One of the schools that she turned down, but she did get a tour of, was Pepperdine University in Malibu. Ooh, bougie, mm-mm-mm, Malibu. And... Part of the post-secondary criticism structure of being a Socratic 
sort of uh, system, a lecture style system, one professor, 1100 students or a thousand students, 500 students, whatever size college you go to. The Socratic method has come sort of under fire. And rightfully so. I think it's something that needs to be sort of done away with, particularly at the younger levels. There is a place for it when you're introducing a concept. But the idea of just lecturing, I think, needs to... That's that's a whole other topic. Let's not get sidetracked here. Let's stay in these good vibes. Um, but as she was getting a tour of Pepperdine, uh, they noticed a fourth year, or I, what I can assume is, a, I guess, a senior level lecture. It was a smaller class. And, you know, so I'm not sure what year, but I assume it was more of a specialized class. And it was being taught on the beach. Now, now, I'm very aware that we don't have always access to those style of resources, particularly where I live here in Canada, in Ontario. I know that that seems like an extreme example, and it is, but I just... In this episode, I implore you to just go off the wall a little bit. Let your imagination go. Imagine teaching philosophy or sociology or psychology with the Pacific Ocean as your backdrop or something similar too. And if we break down departments, I was thinking about different areas. And this is where I'd love to hear feedback from people who teach these particular subjects, but imagine, let's take a trip down the English English hallway, English department. Imagine having a rotary system where depending on the unit of study, you rotated rooms, because again, we can't change the structure overnight. But what would those rooms look like? How do you best take in literature? Is it poetry at a dive coffee bar or a dive coffee shop or a Parisian cafe? Do you take in literature and fictional reading and novel study, if you will, um, in a different environment than that? And where I was getting with that was the other idea that popped into my head was some of my best reading I know has gotten done in a cottage setting, in a cabin setting. Imagine walking into a classroom and the walls are wood paneled and there's faux fireplaces even if it's through a screen and there's just different layouts that put you in a different headspace for learning like i mentioned it could be a rundown sort of hipstery coffee shop it could be a bougie upscale parisian cafe it could be an apres ski chalet cabin What environment puts you in the best headspace to take in the information and the education that's being provided to you? Now let's cruise over a little bit to math and business. Business is particularly, of course, my my specialty, but sometimes I imagine what it would be like to teach in a classroom that simulated a stock trading floor or a modern office of what you see with breakout live breakout rooms and meeting rooms and a setup where if there is access to technology or you teach in a lab why not set up the lab like an office with actual computers that people use every day so students can get an idea of what they might be getting into for math 
the amount of possibilities. We've seen some trans, some beautiful transformations with vertical learning on whiteboard walls and whiteboard tables where you are just figuring out solutions, trial and error, hypothesis after hypothesis. But when you think about it, courses like data management, for instance, that teach probability, working with dice, working with cards, maybe at a senior level course, but it's naive of us to think, for example, that our students one day may not venture into a casino and to give them knowledge or perhaps even show them a simulated environment of what is a casino designed to do to take your money, to throw your focus off the numbers and the probability. It teaches life and survival skills. It teaches focus. It teaches a level of resiliency. Changing the environment can completely change the way we take in information and learning. And that's not a new concept, but it can completely change the way we digest and process information we are being given. Now, keeping along the sort of math, business, numbers, science route, let's cruise over to the science laboratory laboratories. Imagine taking in chemistry and biology in Dr. Bruce Banner's Marvel Lab. Or, if it's themed appropriately, what about Dr. Frankenstein? What about Emmett Doc Brown from Back to the Future? What about a CSI, Minority Report style lab, with simulations that can alter with touchscreen technology? Again, I know this is ideal, but let's have some fun with it. If we head back down to perhaps the most fun department, (laughs) I don't want to say fun department, but it seems at every high school that history and philosophy, social sciences, just seems to be a party. My school happens to be business. I'm not saying that because I'm in the department, but just happens to be in business. We are the lively department where people come in and see us. But going stereotypically, even down the hallway to the history hallway, Imagine, like I said, teaching philosophy or sociology or psychology with a sunrise or sunset theme or teaching geography in the mountains. The possibilities are endless for a dream scenario. When it comes to phys ed and music and arts in general, visual, drama, vocal, oh, that, like I said, that is an episode in itself, especially teaching at an arts high school. That is an episode in itself, and I can't wait to do that one. But just imagine the impact that we could have on young people if we change the environment, if we change the mindset and the headspace and the approach to learning step by step. Like I said, it's not going to happen overnight, but if there are any people in universal design management or project designers or concept interior designer interior designers or anybody who has a passion for education i wonder what could happen and what change could be implemented over the next few decades if we started to focus on the environment and not focus on so much the paper that going post-secondary or pursuing further education can provide or will provide. I wonder if we impact 
students in a different way where they can appreciate gaining so much knowledge and taking in so much different perspectives so they can build their own layer of thinking. I think that we could really change for the better. I think that our impact could really affect our society and our world going forward in a positive and more mindful way. In saying that, I think today, on that high note, we'll wrap it up. I wanted to thank you again. I will continue with part two, talking about arts, because we can break that down for an entire episode, and also physical education, the opportunities when you think about your dream environment, they are endless. I wanted to thank you very much for joining me again today. If I by chance don't end up recording the second part of this episode before the weekend, happy new year, happy 2022. The music you're hearing provided is courtesy of my friend Mike Anabalu. Please follow him on all social media channels. He is unbelievable. But like I said, thank you for an entire year of support. Thank you for making my 2021 better. And thank you for listening and tuning in and growing with me on this journey. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon.